Welcome to Center Ice. It is Saturday, April 15th. I'm here with my good friend, Matt. We are back. It's been a while. Both of us have been very busy, but we always get our playoff preview show out to you every year, and it's fun for us. We hope you enjoy it too. So, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs is next week. Can you believe that? Finally. So let's get down to talking about it. Matt, I guess the first question I have for you is, can anybody beat the Boston Bruins? I'm going to say yes. I know a lot of people uh, on mainstream media and just hockey fandom in general is saying nobody's going to beat the Bruins. But there's a reason why you play the games. Because we've seen many, many teams over the years, of course not record-breaking teams like what Boston did this year, but I I just think back a few years ago, and remember the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning, everyone thought, oh, they're going to go right to the Stanley Cup final. They didn't give Columbus a chance. And we all know how that worked out for Tampa Bay. There's been teams years before that. I remember the, I think it was, yeah, 2009 San Jose Sharks. They steamrolled everyone in the regular season, only to lose in the playoffs. So it's happened time and time again. So I'm going to say yes, you know, Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Boston's not going to win the Stanley Cup, but I don't think it's a guaranteed thing like everyone seems to think. Well, of course. I mean, it's it's the Stanley Cup playoffs and, you know, upsets happen. But I will say that this Boston team is extremely well built and the way that they've kind of deployed their goalies, again, NHL GMs take note, they haven't played Allmark 64 games. You know, Swayman's played, I believe, over 30 games. Allmark has played a whole bunch, but not too many. That's important. And you have two options that you can rely on because what if something goes wrong? What if Allmark struggles? What if Allmark gets injured? You have Swayman to turn to. But I agree with you. I mean, I think the first half of the season, to me, I was kind of like, oh man, this Boston team looks like they're on a mission. They're really good. I don't know if anyone's going to beat them. And they defied any expectations that were set out, right? Like, it's it's very clear that this team had one goal in mind, and I think they probably even surprised themselves with how well they've played. But it was just kind of the perfect mix. The new coach, the players brought in, kind of a new sheen with activating your defenseman. Olmark bouncing back in a very, very big way, obviously overcoming some personal struggles. But I will say in the second half, and specifically against a few teams, they did look human. So look, Toronto has the tools and the team to compete with Boston. And they played Boston very well when they played this year. When they lost, they did leaf things like take a penalty in overtime and then leave David Pasternak uncovered in the <laughs> slot, right? Like, But again, to me, the only team that I can see in either conference taking down Boston is Toronto. You know, I think that's fair. You and I have had this conversation before just in private. And you and I have both have come to an agreement here pretty much that, you know, if Toronto can take down Boston, if they meet in round two, of course, you know, nothing is guaranteed. But, you know, assuming they meet in round two, if Toronto can take down Boston, really what's holding them back? And th- now this isn't an easy task, of course. This is, you know, not only the best team in NHL history, this is also the the demon, right? The monkey on mm. Toronto's back. Yeah. So, you know, 
there's a lot at stake if Toronto and Boston were to meet again. And I think that there's a very good chance of that happening. And we'll, we'll get into Tampa in a few minutes, but I, I just think that, you know, Toronto can't possibly lose another round one, right? Who knows? But I just, the way they've played this year, you know, again, this team has improved year over year under Sheldon Keefe. They've brought in players to help with playoff success. I think Ryan O'Reilly will really help. I think Nola Chari, a small addition, has helped the Leafs in their bottom six. Matty Nye has looked good in a, in a couple of games of action. One of the biggest things that's hurt the Leafs, well, two things actually, and people may not know this, but because, you know, Jack Campbell has looked spectacular at times when he was in a Leafs uniform, he was actually very average last year in the playoffs. And they've gotten well above average goaltending from Joseph Wall and Ilya Samsonov. And again, none of them have played that many games. So I think you have to look at goaltending as a strength rather than a question mark. And obviously you're facing Vasilevsky. To me, the way they've played and the depth they have now. And remember, like this is the last song and dance for Kyle Dubas and his regime. Like if there is any greater motivator of you getting your next contract and continuing on your legacy... <laughs> this is probably it right here. I mean, the whole organization, whether it be front office, management, coaches, players, they want to get that first win, but they want more than that. I heard some talk about the Leafs need to win a playoff round and that will secure Kyle Dubas's fate as he continues as GM. That's stupid. I understand the Leafs have had a tough draw, but a lot of times and really, I think most of the time, they are their own worst enemy. But this year, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit differently about them. You know, I, I watched the Sens and Leafs a couple times this year just because I'm still at the Canadian Tire Center. I see pretty much all the games. And the last time Toronto was in town, Sam Sonoff was starting in net. They clinched a playoff spot at that point, but, you know, they still had things to fight for, home ice advantage, things like that. And they played, in my opinion, one of the best games I've seen any team play all season. They didn't dominate Ottawa. Ottawa, I think, still had 30, 35 shots on goal. But Toronto's bottom six, Toronto's defense, they were suffocating all night. They weren't letting Ottawa's top scorers get anything and you know a guy like Tim Stutzel would hit the line two or three Leaf guys would be on him right away because they knew he was their best guy you know offense what went through Tim Stutzla or they would be on someone like Brady Kachuk physically because they know he's a pest and when guys like Dabrinkit, Stutzel, Kachuk with the talent did break through, Sam Sonoff was there to make the saves when they needed to, and they ended up with a very average 3 nothing win. It wasn't an exciting win. You know, I was thinking to myself on the way home from that game that if Toronto could just play like that in the playoffs with a little more intensity, a little more physicality because it's playoffs, the sky's the limit for them, and we'll see if Sheldon Keefe can get them playing like that. Or another example is that game against Boston a couple weeks back, minus the end, of course. They were up one nothing on Boston right up until the end of the game, and they were playing Boston really, really well. And in the end, the only thing that cost them, and we've said this many, many times before, Mac, is careless mistakes. They should have won that game, and I think that they're going to learn their lesson, and if they can continue to play a really solid, carefree game, the sky's the limit for the Maple Leafs this postseason. I'll be very curious 
curious to see what the Leafs do this playoffs because the expectations and the pressure on them is huge. But at the same time, there is no pressure on them because, you know, they know what they need to do. They know they're the better team when they when it comes to the head-to-head versus Tampa at this point. They know that last year they almost beat them and that was a much better Tampa team than we've got this year. So uh, we'll get into that matchup in a bit more detail in a few minutes. But uh, let's jump into some of the other East playoff matchups here. Boston versus Florida, you know. Is there a chance for an upset here, Mac? For Florida to have any chance in heck, (laughs) they're going to need Alex Lyon, Sergei Bobrovsky, and Knight to have, you know, the series of their lives. Because, you know, Boston versus Florida, this is a pretty big mismatch. Florida hasn't really impressed me all year. Up until the last couple weeks of the season, they've gone on a bit of a run here and were able to squeak into the last wild card. I I just don't see it, you know. I'd love to believe in the upset, but... You know, this is such a big mismatch. I don't see Florida taking down Boston. If I had to predict this series in the amount of games, I think I think Florida might take one. I think they could take it to five. But with how good Boston's been and how big of a mismatch this is, I'm taking Boston for sure. And I think they're going to take it in four. Yeah, I agree. It's like you said, it's too much of a mismatch. And also... You know, I look at those wild card teams in the Eastern Conference, and there's such a big discrepancy between the teams that are contenders and finished top three in their division and the wild card teams. I mean, to me, the fact that the Islanders and Panthers beat out two young teams and an old Pittsburgh team that has a lot of problems is not that impressive to me. But hey, give them credit. They've had a good year. They've battled. Remember, at at one point, I think they were bottom 10 in the standings. They've had a good second half. I mean, Boston is kind of a polar opposite team to Florida. They're a two-way team. They have excellent goaltending. They've got a ton of depth. Whereas Florida is an offensive team, their goaltending can be really good, but it can also not be so good. And I just, I don't see Boston having any issues with them. I really don't. Let's move on to the next matchup. We've already touched on a little bit. Toronto versus Tampa Bay. Now we've touched on Toronto. Uh, Let's touch on Tampa Bay here, Mac, because this is definitely a different Tampa Bay team than the one we saw play the Leafs in the in the first round 365 days ago. This is a much older Tampa team. This is a Tampa team that in particular in the second half of the season really struggled at times. And, you know, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say they're sort of limping into the playoffs. Now, that's not saying they're a bad team. You know, they've still got Stamkos. They've still got Vasilevsky. They've still got Point. This is still a good team. But... This certainly isn't the much-feared Tampa Bay Lightning team that had won back-to-back cups. I agree with that. A couple things that I noticed personally, and and again, we've talked about this time and time again, I think Vasilevsky has played too much. I don't think they have a good backup option in Brian Elliott. To me, Brian Elliott is, you know, a borderline NHL backup at this point. And also, there's a lot of miles on some of those guys, man, like Hedman, Kucherov, Stamkos... You have to look to guys like Kucherov and Point to potentially lead you to playoff success this year because I don't think you're going to get it from Stamkos. He's uh, really become more of a power play specialist and he's very good on the power play. He's got a lethal shot. Hedman, to me, at one point when he had that MVP season and he won the Norris Trophy, he was a dominant two-way defenseman. I haven't seen that this year. Sure, he could be dealing with injuries, but also... 
you know, maybe this isn't talked about quite enough. Ryan McDonough was a big loss for the Tampa Bay Lightning in a cap crunch. He played extremely well for the Nashville Predators in a number one pair with Roman Yossi. Actually, Money Puck had them as the number one pairing in the league, ratings-wise. There's only so many guys you can lose year over year and continue to compete to win Stanley Cups. So, like I said, I don't think Toronto feels that threatened by this matchup. You know, they played Tampa well all year. Look at the last game of the regular season against Tampa Bay that they played. They played really well. They played, you know, half their lineup. So exactly. this is going to sound weird because the Leafs are still a young team, but at the same time, they do have a lot of veterans. To me, last year, they played with a little bit of fear in that first round. And maybe that's because Tampa was much better last year. They were much more of a threat to win. They played their butts off and the Leafs nearly pulled that series out. But ultimately, the better team won. The better team on paper, the better team on the ice. This year, the better team on paper and on the ice is the Toronto Maple Leafs. No question. Absolutely. The only thing holding back Toronto from winning this series, as you well know, Mac, at this point, is themselves. You mentioned it earlier. It's worth repeating because if the Leafs lose this series, it's on them and no one else because they're the better team on on paper. They're the better team on the ice. They've beaten Tampa handily a few times this year. As you mentioned, they played them really well. This is a team that over the last month, whenever I've seen them play, looks like they're gearing up for not just finally a round one win. They look like they were gearing up to go on a deep playoff run. And I think that they absolutely have the potential to do it. And I think they're on a mission this year. They know that they need to go deep. They, I believe they have the confidence to go deep. And as long as they can stay out of their, their minds, right, <laughs> I think that they can go very deep. So I'm taking Toronto in six here. I think that Tampa is still a good team. I think they'll take a couple of games. It might be off the back of Vasilevsky. But at the end of the day, Toronto is the better team here. And, you know, they're built for the playoffs. They're built to go deep. They played Tampa well. And, and I think that they're finally going to get by round one. I think this is the year, Mac. That's a great pick. I think that's what I'll go with as well. I think Tampa could still take a couple of games. Like you said, Vasilevsky, they have enough game breakers. You know, maybe they can play well a couple games at home. But yeah, Toronto and six. I agree with that. All right, next Eastern matchup. This one's a little closer than the other wildcard matchup. Carolina and the Islanders. Now, this is one where a lot of people are going to be taking the Hurricanes, but I do have some reservations about the Hurricanes, Mac, because they really haven't impressed me a whole lot. I don't know about you and your perspective, but whenever I watch the Hurricanes over the last few months, they haven't blown me away. I know they're a good team, but this is an Islanders team that's going to be a thorn in their side. I think that, you know, of all the potential matchups for upsets, I guess if that's the way to put it, I think this is the one where I look at it and think, ooh, the Islanders might just take down the Hurricanes here because the Islanders are a pesky bunch. You and I know full well that they are, especially with a guy like Sorokin who's having a really good season as your backstop. That's all you really need to pull off an upset in round one. Yeah, this is a tricky one because like you said, there's there's some things that concern you about Carolina. To me, they kind of coasted down the stretch. Obviously, they suffered quite a few injuries. Carolina, to me, is still the better team. But like you said, Sorokin had a Vesna caliber season, as did Saros and uh, Ulmark. I think those are probably your top three candidates for the Vesna at this point. But I don't know, like, 
the Islanders just don't impress me that much. And I wonder, I'm going to throw this at you, Matt, how much of the Hurricanes lack of play slash engagement in the second half is due to lack of competition in the division? That's very much a possibility. How often were they playing a team that really challenged them? And let's be honest, you know, you look at their schedule down the stretch, they had a pretty darn easy schedule. Yeah, I, I I just, I wonder how engaged they were in that second half. Because remember, this is a team that they're like the Leafs, right? Like, yes, they won one cup in the pre-salary cap era, but everybody questions, okay, what is this team going to do in the playoffs? We know they're a good regular season team, but they haven't really had playoff success yet in exception with that year, like I said, before the salary cap was in place. But people don't care about that. It's like, what have you done for me lately? So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm tempted to pick the Islanders here, but I still feel like the Hurricanes are the better team. And like I said, I just feel like they got a little bit disengaged and kind of coasted because they they could, <laughs> you know, try and stay healthy as much as you can. Now, the one hesitation I have with picking the Hurricanes potentially is Svechnikov being injured. They really need that guy. And I think when they signed him to that long-term extension, they were expecting a lot more and he hasn't really delivered yet. Obviously, there's time. He's still young. But I think Don Waddell is wondering if maybe that was worth it or not. He he still is a good player. You know, he's a very good player. You know, they're certainly going to miss him with that injury. I still take the Hurricanes here, Mac. But I do think that this is going to be a closer matchup than a lot of people are thinking it'll be. I think that the Hurricanes very well may have to go to seven games to take down the Islanders because they're just a pesky bunch. They always have been. They've always been a thorn in the side of many a playoff teams. And I think that'll continue to be the case this year. I agree with that. I'll agree with you on the pick as well. Hurricanes in seven is it makes sense because, like you said, it's going to be a tough series. And neither of these teams scores a lot of goals. You know, they they pride themselves on defense and goaltending. Obviously, the Islanders have the edge in goaltending when you look at numbers. But if you look at depth up and down the lineup and defense, that's the edge of the Hurricanes. Obviously, head coach, edge of the Hurricanes, playoff experience, Hurricanes. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with the Hurricanes in seven. But I am tempted to pick the Islanders, I will admit. All right, let's move on to what I think has the potential to be the most entertaining series of all the uh, of all the playoff matchups we've got at the moment, Mac. New Jersey versus New York. There's a rivalry there. You've got two youngish teams with a lot of star power on both sides. You've got the upstart Devils that have really broken through this year. And you've got the, uh, I wouldn't say the old dog in the Rangers, but, you, you know, you've got the more established New York Rangers who are very good in their own right. Two teams that were very close in the standings all year. And now they're going to go head to head. And boy, oh boy, this... This series, you know, flip a coin because you could make a strong case for either team here. But what what are you feeling on this one, Mac? Yeah, this is tough. They are different teams, but in a lot of ways, they're similar. So the way they're similar is how they've built their forward group, right? They've got a lot of fast, speedy, skilled forwards, and they've got some size as well. Now, here's where they're different. Goaltending and defense. The defense of the Devils, contrary to what it used to be, is much more well-built to play a two-way overall game. You look at the additions in recent years of Dougie Hamilton, John Marino, Jonas Siegenthaler. These are really good two-way defenders, and some of them are more defensive than offensive. But again, I think I trust the Devils' defense more. Now, having said that, if you flip over to the Rangers, 
Adam Fox is a Norris caliber, fantastic overall two-way defenseman. Keandre Miller has grown a lot in his game, and I think you can classify him as a really good two-way defender. Ryan Lindgren is a very good defensive defenseman. He blocks a lot of shots. He's a heart and soul type. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Truba has had a good year. I don't know how I feel about Truba personally. Obviously, if he can play physical and kind of be a pain in the you-know-what, he could be valuable for the Rangers. But then I look at the rest of the defense and it just doesn't really do anything for me. So here's the question. This is the biggest question of this series, Matt, is is the difference in goaltending between potentially Shesterkin and Vanacek large enough for the Rangers to win when they're not a better defensive team? I say yes. And... Now, this is with a huge uh, asterisk here, Mac. You know, Shesterkin needs to be lights out like he was last playoffs. And he can be. He absolutely mm. can be. But, you know, he, he's struggled with consistency at times during the season. And I'll be very curious. And I'll be paying very close attention to how he plays in the first couple games of this series. Because I think we'll, we'll know pretty quickly whether he's got the stuff or he doesn't. Because... With the firepower and defense that the Devils have got, you know, if Shesterkin isn't on his A game, the Devils, I wouldn't say are going to outscore the Rangers, but, you know, we'll just have that much of an edge, right? I think goaltending is where the Rangers have the biggest edge here. And if Shesterkin isn't on his A game, I think that the Devils can exploit that all the way to the second round. Well, now look back to last year's matchup against the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? At the time, those two teams were very similar, right? Pretty much highly offensive teams. Goaltending for Pittsburgh was, you know, good. Obviously, Shesterkin had the year of his life last year, deserved all the awards that he got, and he managed to get them past that round one. But that was a matchup of two offensive teams. There wasn't a whole lot of defense played in that series. So I look at that, and I and I look at the way New Jersey has played this year. I, there's something about them that I just I think they could potentially go on a little run here. Leading up to our picks, I'm going to take the Devils here. I'm going to take the Devils in seven games. What say you, Mister Matt? See, this one is the one I've been I've been flipping back and <laughs> forth on, and I think this is with a lot of people because you can make a strong case for either team. I, I'm I got to go with you here. I think the Devils. Their defense is just that much better. I re- I really like how they've played all year. I think that they can they can shut down the top scoring lines that the Rangers have got. I think that they're slightly better. And Shesterkin, you know, he's really good, but he hasn't had the year of his life. And I think that they'll eke out the Rangers in seven. But this is one where it's very, very close. Now, real quick before we get on to the other series... Give a lot of credit to Vitek Vanacek for the year he's had. He's been terrific. and Oh, he has been. Absolutely. I don't know if the Devils expected him to be this good. But remember, you know, it's when you surround your goaltending with good, strong defense, that inspires confidence in the players in front of you and the goalie. And usually it produces good results. You know, there are exceptions. Sometimes you'll see a team that's really good defensively and they just don't have a very good goalie. Yeah, Vitek Vanacek, to me, he hasn't played a ton and he's had a very good year. He's got some playoff experience. I think the Devils understand what they have to do here. You know, it's kind of like we talked about with the Leafs. They know where they have the advantages. I'm looking for Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt to have a heck of a series here. Let's move on to the Western Conference. And first series up here, Mac, Colorado-Seattle. You know, the defending Stanley Cup champions, injuries have really hurt them all year. And they'll continue to hurt hurt them into the playoffs. 
you know, I look at this matchup. If Colorado was fully healthy here, Mac, I would take Colorado. This is going to be my first, I get first lower seed beating an upper seed. I just think Seattle, with how they play, they're a very physical team. They're a very draining team to play. I really like what Seattle has done this year. And every game I've watched them, I've been impressed. Before we get into the nitty gritty, I'm going to say up front, I'm taking Seattle in this one. I, you know, I think they're going to take down the defending champs. Oh, I like that. I like that pick a lot. I just, I don't know about the goaltending. And it's nothing against Grubauer and Jones, but Grubauer, since he came over to Seattle, hasn't been that great. And, you know, they were expecting a lot more. Now, here's the storyline that every journalist hopes to write. (laughs) Former Colorado Avalanche goalie comes back against team, steals round, propels Seattle to playoff win in round one. Could that happen? Yeah, it sure could. I just, I don't know. I'm not sure. And I know Colorado's banged up. I know they don't have Landeskog, but they still have Makar. They still have McKinnon. And I don't think we've talked enough about Alex Georgiev and how good he's been. Surprisingly good, I might add. They brought this guy in because there weren't a lot of options cap-wise, and he looked a little disengaged. Most of us couldn't recognize the goal he was compared to what he was when he was younger, but 40 wins this year. He was outstanding. Look at head-to-head, right? Offense. I think you have to give the edge to Colorado because they have more explosive players. Defense. Seattle's a more defensive group. They've got a lot more big defensemen. But if you look at overall play, two-way play, I think you have to give the edge to Colorado still. And then goaltending. I mean, it's tough because you don't know if Georgiev is going to play as well as he has. And you don't know what you're going to get from Grubauer or Jones. So... To me, you can say goaltending is a wash. So when I look at all those things, despite all the issues that Colorado has had, they still got 50 wins this year. They still won the division. So I'm going to take Colorado, but I agree. Seattle, Seattle's going to give them a hell of a run. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I can absolutely respect the Colorado pick. You know, that's fair. I just look at how Seattle has played all year. They're a very physical team. They're a team that, in my opinion, is very well built for the playoffs. I concede to you that the goaltending is definitely a question mark. I do like that headline, though. I think that all the journalists are just, you know, they're throbbing at the mouth to write that headline there, Mac. (laughs) But sure are, yeah. You know, I look at the injuries they've had. You know, Yamakar is healthy at the moment, but he struggled with injuries all year. Landis Cog is out. And of course, you know, Nathan McKinnon is an X factor. He always will be. You know, he he's the type of guy that can take a team that is struggling, like we've seen earlier this year with the Avalanche, and just carry them on his back. This is a team that, you know, if Colorado is going to beat them, Seattle is going to grind them down a lot. I've got Seattle. This is more of a gut feeling than anything else. I think, you know, Grubauer could absolutely have the series of his life here. I feel like Seattle, of all the teams in this first round, I feel like are the ones that are primed the most for an upset here. And I, I always have to go with one upset because there always is one in the first round, Mac. That's just how it goes. The Stanley Cup playoffs are predictably unpredictable. And I like the idea of the second year expansion franchise taking down the Colorado Avalanche. 
I think that that's a, a great narrative. It's going to be a fun series, one way or another. I think this is going to be a close series, and I've got the Seattle Kraken in seven, and I think one way or another, this one's going to six or seven. I respect that. That that makes a lot of sense, and and I'm not down on the Seattle Kraken. I just I don't know if they have enough to get by Colorado. And and real quick on Colorado, I know Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. I understand, but is there a player in the league that can do more with? just a little bit of space than Nathan McKinnon. You know, you talk about taking away time and space from superstar players. You cannot give this guy anything because if he gets just a little bit, he can make a pass. He has a lethal shot. He's got incredible hands. He's laterally quick. He's strong on the puck. He's literally terrifying to play against for a defenseman. So I would also be sad to see McKinnon knocked out in round one and, and hopefully not McDavid knocked out in round one. So uh, speaking of McDavid, let's talk uh, Oilers Kings, shall we? Edmonton Oilers are heavily favored and I think rightly so. You know, the Kings, unlike last year, you know, they were the younger upstart Kings and they still are to an extent for sure. But the Oilers, I just think they are the better team. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are going to carry the Oilers, you know, as far as they can, right? This team is going to go as far as those two can carry them. And I think absolutely they're good enough to get by round one. I don't think the Kings are that great. And that's like you said, that's because they're still a young team and they've had a good year. But a lot of times uh, they have a lot of the same issues they've had in previous years. The next factor has to be Kevin Fiala. They didn't have Fiala last year. They have him this year. He's been very good for them. He's been a bit banged up in the second half, but overall has made a big difference. The one thing with LA, which was kind of a thing that you were sold on in the past is the goaltending. And I'm not sold on it right now. And I know Jonas, Jonas Corposalo, excuse me, was the pickup because there weren't a lot of goalies available at the deadline. I'm sorry, but Jonas Corposalo and Phoenix Copley in your net in a playoff series against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl does not inspire confidence. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be a quicker series than last year. Last year, the Oilers, they've improved a little bit year after year. They still have issues. I still don't think they're going to go on a terribly long playoff run, but I do think they're going to take this series because... McDavid, Dreisaitl, but again, Nugent Hopkins had 100 points this year. Zach Hyman had a terrific year. You've got some more threats there, and especially if you draw penalties. Their power play this year was unfreaking believable. Historically great power play. So the only thing with the Oilers that could potentially hold them back, as we've talked about many, 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 many times, is defense and goaltending. But in this series, I don't think it will. No, I don't think so either. I think in a series against the Kings, this is a bit of a wash for Edmonton. Getting into round two and beyond, I think it will be. But for now, you know, Edmonton will take another uh, free playoff series win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, let's go to Dallas, Minnesota. This is a this is a close match. I still take Dallas in this one, but this is absolutely a close match. I think that this is going to be. Uh, looking at all the Western Conference matchups, I think this is the one where I look at it and think, well, I'm going to watch this series a lot because this should be a fun one. You know, you've got Kreprizov on one side, you've got uh, Boldy, you've got a really good Minnesota team here. You know, of course, former uh, Ottawa Senator Philip Gustafson. Yeah, that too. <laughs> 
you know, who's been very, very good this year. You know, he's played really, really well. The Wild are a good defensive team. But then you, you look at Dallas, you know, you and I love to rave about the Dallas Stars. And I think you and I are about to rave about them some more. Of course, you got Odinger, who had another really good year. And if he gets, uh, if he becomes playoff Odinger again this year, I don't think the Wild have much of a chance. With all due respect to Philip Gustafson, who's also had a really good year, I think that the Dallas Stars are just that much better of a team this year than they were last year. Remember last year, they you know they didn't limp into the playoffs, but they weren't setting the world on fire. But this year, you know, they very nearly won their division. Colorado took it from them on the very last day of play, and this is a Stars team that has very consistently been a good team all year. And I really like Dallas in this matchup. You know, you and I have talked many times before about how they've built a really good team, a very well-balanced team. They've got a good mix of young guys and older veterans. You know the media is already right in the headlines. Robertson versus Kaprizov, right? One, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that's going to be the narrative going into this series. I think the bigger matchup here is Odinger versus Gustafsson. What, what say you, Matt? Yeah, if the Stars are the underdog in this series, I'm going to take the Stars because I just feel better about how they've played. It's not that Minnesota is not a good hockey team. I look at the options on offense for the Stars, obviously, of Jason Robertson. He had a great year again, 109 points, 46 goals. But aside from that, huge bounce back year for Jamie Benn. 33 goals and 78 points. Joe Pavelski, 77. Rope Hints off that contract extension, 75. And Miro Heiskanen, very quietly, 73 points while playing very good defense. Even Sagan, you know, chipped in a little bit as well with 50 points and 21 goals. And how about the rookie Wyatt Johnson? 24 goals and 41 points. He was impressive when I watched him this year. The Stars, to me, have just been consistently good, and that's what I like about them. I, I wouldn't say they're an underdog in this series, Mac. They're, both teams are very similar. They're very close. But I think the Stars have just a little more on offense to offer than the Wild. I think they're a slightly better team for a reason. As much as Gustafson's been good this year, if you had to ask me which goalie I'm starting over Gustafson or Odinger in a Game 7 winner-take-all, I still think I'd take Odinger. I'm going to go Stars in 7 because I do think this could be a really good matchup. At times, it'll be a clash of styles. Obviously, Minnesota is not quite as good defensively as they used to be, but they still have guys that can shut you down. Shutting down Kirill Kaprizov is going to be real tough for the Dallas Stars defense. And I do wonder about, can Gustafson carry that momentum into this playoff series? Because I think you've got to start him game one, the way he's played this year. And that's not taking anything away from Flurry, but you know, give the kid a chance. He's not a kid, but you know what I mean. I look at the Stars, I look at their depth, I like their defense group. I think they've got a good coach. And again, we talked about this a little bit with the Rangers and looking back to last year's series. Last year, the Stars came up against the Calgary Flames who were very good last year. The Stars weren't half the team they are this year. They didn't have Wyatt Johnson. Tyler Sagan wasn't very good. Jamie Van wasn't very good. And Ottinger almost stole the series. They should be able to win this round and potentially a lot more. So I'm going to take the Stars. All right. We're in agreement with Dallas. And you know, Dallas, you're right. They have the potential to go on a deep playoff run here if the Stars align for them and they can continue to play really, really well. Dallas is my one team. I wouldn't say they're a dark horse team, but I look at teams that could potentially come out of the West in the Stanley Cup. And Dallas is certainly in that conversation. All right. Let's move on to that aforementioned Knights and uh, Jets series. Now, I think both of us have got 
the Vegas Golden Knights beating Winnipeg here? It's just a matter of how many games are you giving the Jets here, Mac? That's a great question. Hellbuck played a lot this year. He played 64 games just like UC Saros did, and there's a lot of miles on him, as we've talked about. But I do think the Jets could potentially take one game, maybe two. So I will go Vegas in five. Yep, same here. You know, I think Hellebuck, he could even take two games here. But Vegas is just that much better of a team. They've also got their captain, Mark Stone, coming back. Their team's healthy. They've looked a lot better this year. They've looked a lot more consistent. And Vegas is just the better team. It's just a fact, you know. If this was the Winnipeg team we saw in the first half of the season that were just, you know, they were world beaters, they were really, really good, this would be a much closer matchup. But really, ever since the calendar has turned over to 2023, the Jets have kind of been coasting off their hot start of the season and Hellebuck. That's just how it's been. They haven't been great. They've struggled at times. They barely made it into the playoffs as is. And I, I think that... You know, this is a mismatch, and Vegas is the better team on paper, on the ice, and they should take care of business here. All right. Well, do we want to get into a little bit of news and notes here, or or what do we want to finish off with here, Matt? Yeah, we might as well go into a little bit of news and notes, because, you know, even though the playoffs are starting right now, we do have some things to touch on. Before we get into that, I just got to say, we, you and I finally called it, Mac. You For years, you and I have said the downfall of the Pittsburgh Penguins empire is coming. Look what happened the last couple of weeks here. <laughs> Everybody knew this was going to happen at some point. We weren't sure how bad it was going to be. Well, let me tell you, it's bad. They got rid of Burke and Hextall, who to me haven't done anything to better this franchise since they took over. And I don't understand why Brian Burke keeps getting front office jobs when he runs teams into the ground. He can go back to his little job at Sportsnet. That's fine. (laughs) This is a team that is not in good shape. They don't have a lot of draft picks. They're old. They've got a lot of long-term contracts. There's a lot of question marks. Do you re-sign Tristan Jari? It's a tough call to make because while he has been good for you, seems like one year he's really good. The other year he's kind of average. He does struggle with injuries. The next GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins has to completely rethink building this team. And... You can keep the old guard. Obviously, you know, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are going to retire as Penguins. I get it. But there are a lot of things that need to change about this team. And, you know, Gensel, Raquel, those guys are fine. But they had a lot of guys that were kind of dragging them down this year. And I do want to mention really quick, Jason Zucker, he was terrific this year. He was kind of one of their most clutch players, a little unexpectedly. But to me, changes are coming, big changes. I don't know who their next leader is going to be. This is a task to get this team back to contention and and relevance and playing hard every night. The other team that missed the playoffs this year, who hasn't missed the playoffs in a very, very long time, is the Washington Capitals. So Washington decided to get rid of their head coach, Peter LaViolette. Real quick, your thoughts on that? This was a mutual letting go, but you know I have a feeling that ownership probably went to LaViolette and said, all right, you've had your time. It's time to go. What's really weird is that this is the first playoffs since 2006, Mac, where we will have neither Crosby or Mm. Ovi in it. So, you know, it's a changing of the guard. You know, it was going to happen eventually. Both the Capitals and the Penguins, you look at both franchises, I'd say the the Capitals are still a bit better than the Penguins. Just my opinion. Both franchises are in pretty similar states here. You know, they've had their cup. In Penguins, they've had multiple cups. They've had plenty deep playoff runs. 
They've had record seasons. They've had 50 goal scorers. They've had a decade plus run of success. And I think age is catching up with them. The cap is catching up with them. Those contracts are catching up with them. And both teams are on a very similar trajectory, in my opinion. You know, they're, I don't envy anyone stepping into either the Penguins job or the Capitals job because there's a lot of moves either GM is going to have to make here. It'll be very interesting to see what both teams do in this offseason. Do they accept the inevitability that their empires are in decline and they should rebuild? Or are they going to take the uh, old-fashioned Ken Holland approach here <laughs> and try and keep the, the, the fleeting window open, right? For one more last chance at glory, Mac. <laughs> well, if, if you look at what both teams did at the trade deadline, and remember, they were in pretty similar spots. Washington was a little farther back. Washington basically said, we need to set ourselves up better for longer-term success. Let's be a seller, even though no one's talking about us as a seller. And that's what they did. And they actually got some good pieces. Sandine's a good young player. They got some draft capital. Here's the difference between the two teams, in my opinion. The three guys that stand out for the Capitals in terms of guys that have been around a very long time and are locked in are Backstrom, Ovechkin, and Carlson. Other than that, your kind of contracts and players are pretty movable. So if you decide to retool, I think you're in better shape cap-wise than the Penguins. Like you said, it's a big task. They don't have a lot of good prospects. Which situation would I take right now? I would take Washington because I think if you do it right and you figure out a way to get rid of some of these big cap hits, figure out who you want long-term, You know, maybe you move out a guy like TJ Oshie. I think you try and keep Tom Wilson. There's a lot of guys there that teams would be interested in. If you're honest as a GM, you say, okay, we need to take the approach that we took at the trade deadline and say, this is who we are. And we're trying to better ourselves long-term as a franchise and as a team. We understand we've won a cup. We understand we've been very competitive. But here's the other thing with the Capitals that's a little different than the Penguins. Ted Leonsis does not take to not making the playoffs very well. And this is a sign, right? Like, obviously, he could have fired the GM. But I think if he looked at his team's moves at the deadline, he says, okay, maybe McClellan can get us out of this and make us better. You know, there was a boat of confidence there on McClellan, which he's got to feel very reassured about. And uh, this offseason in particular will be very telling for both teams. And I'm sure you and I will have a lot to discuss about both the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals as, you know, the offseason starts to progress. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. But that's all the time we've got for today. Any uh, final Thoughts on the playoffs, Mac? No, that's it. I would encourage you guys to watch CHL playoffs. It's really fun. A lot of games are end-to-end. There's a lot of prospects that you may not know of that you'll kind of get a first-hand look at. And honestly, watching the games is pretty cheap. You can get a monthly pass. You can get a CHL all-access playoff pass for basically the entire playoffs, every league, every game, including the Memorial Cup for, I think, 89 bucks. So I would encourage you guys to diversify your hockey-watching activities in the next uh, few months, but super excited for the playoffs. Everyone is. It's been a pretty cool regular season, but I think everyone's ready to see who the best teams are. Absolutely. Just like you, I'm really looking forward to the playoffs. It'll be very exciting and interesting to see how all the action unfolds over the next two to three months. It should be a lot of fun. And as you said, there's a lot of other exciting things going on in hockey. You mentioned the CHL playoffs. 
And we've also got the Women's Worlds that have just wrapped up this weekend. And of course, we got the Men's World Championship coming up. So lots of exciting stuff going on in the hockey world. We do plan to come back again soon. We're going to do a debrief for all the 16 teams that are on the outside looking in. So look forward to that. But until then, you can always find us wherever you get your podcasts. For Mac, this is Matt signing out and saying, enjoy the playoffs, guys. (laughs) 